Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, Rotogrinders? Dean here. It's uh, Dean78904 on the DFS Circles. Uh, I'm going to be hosting the show going forward, as that's far as they can tell. Crane, it was a good run. Hope uh, things are all well with you. This, of course, is the NFL Pick 6 show, bringing in Rich Rebar, John Daigle. Uh, yeah, we're at the quarter poll. Hey, we're live as well, too. What's up, chat? Hey, YouTube. <laughs> Feel free to like and subscribe. We much appreciate that. D-Train, our fabulous multitasking producer, is going to go ahead and drop a link for you guys. Go ahead and uh, we'll hit like and subscribe. We do like that. And then check out that link. You get five dollars off your first month here at RG as well. Uh, we're at the quarter ball, uh, quarter ball rebar. Uh, what have we, what have we learned so far as far as the NFL season? I mean, we're we're making it, man. We're we're making it. We're getting by. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it was smooth sailing for three weeks, and now we've got a little chaos. And now we're in the month of October, and I mean, we're just rolling into cold and flu season too. So it's going to be an adventure, I think, just inherently. You know, as we get into not even just for football, like workspaces and everything, when people start running actual just regular fevers. Remember when you can just have cold symptoms and they did like you were okay and you felt like like hey, I just got a cold, right? It's it's good. I'm from the south, like from Florida. Don't hold that against me, but I don't really, I never really got colds. I never, that was I don't think that's a thing in Florida. Maybe like in, it's too hot down here. I'm not sure. They go, See, is it? Yeah, go ahead. Jump in. Uh, I was going to say for the South, like I come from Texas and like the only reason the cost of living is tantalizing to go back, but I'll never go back if only for allergies, because once I got out of Texas, the allergies were everywhere else I've been, the mountains of Denver, West Coast, East Coast, uh, it's all been wonderful. So I'm never going back to allergies if I have the choice. It's uh, we're recording this, of course, we're live, but a lot of you guys are going to catch this. Most of you guys are going to catch this probably on a replay at some point throughout the week. It's on the uh, Rotor Runners YouTube channel. Uh, just want to say, you know, understand what we're saying right now is based upon information on a Wednesday night. Lots of shenanigans, lots of things can happen all the way up to Sunday. Uh, there is some potential danger from a COVID perspective as far as that Tennessee Buffalo game to a lesser extent, maybe Denver and New England, maybe Kansas City and Vegas. But again, we don't know uh, lots of speculation at this point. We're not really going to speculate what's the point, but we will talk about those games as if they're going to go. Of course, how this show goes down. It's the NFL Pick 6 show. We talk about three main games, Carolina, Atlanta, Cleveland, Indiana, Indiana, Indianapolis, the Giants and Dallas, of course, Dallas. What an absolute <laughs> I cannot wait to talk about Dallas. What an absolute disaster that team is. But in the DFS world, it is such a gift. It is so beautiful. Um, yeah, and then we'll break it down position by position. We'll kind of branch out as far as the slate as a whole. Uh, Dale, who's – I think, Dale, you're the one that kind of uh, – you, you picked our show, our, our, our teams today, our matchups. Was it you or is it uh, was it Rebar? Yeah, so you walked into our very professional situation where Devin <laughs> sends the link to us, and then Reeves or I, the first one to send the games back, those are the games we talk about. 
very by the book what we do here at the Pick Six Show. Yeah, and it's not the games we necessarily want to watch. Uh, but it's, you know, DFS, all we care about are fantasy points. We don't care how good the game is, how good the players are. We care about, you know, prices and uh, how vulnerable defenses may or may not be. And that leads us right into our first game, Carolina and Atlanta. 54 is the total. Uh, Atlanta's, Atlanta's a favorite, which is just wild. Just like saying that because that team is such a disaster too. But it's high and it's tight rebar. Uh, you know, 54 as far as the total, minus one as far as Atlanta. It's wild this week. We'll talk about our teams, obviously, but uh, Kansas City's got a 34 and a half implied team total this week, which is insane. I don't know if I've ever seen a number that high before. Baltimore at 32.25, Seattle the same, not on the main slate, but it's got a worth no, worth noting. And Dallas at 31.75, scoring has certainly been up. Uh, all right, so let's talk about Carolina and Atlanta. As of right now, we don't really know as far as the injury situation with Julio Jones. I imagine he's not going to play Rebar. Uh, is that your assumption as well? Yeah, it looks like he's going to miss multiple weeks, I would assume, at this point, you know, especially him trying to battle through that injury. And we've seen, you know, without him really being active or, you know, not really being in the game, I mean, Matt Ryan has really struggled the past two weeks, uh, you know, one thing to struggle against the Bears, another to, to not be able to pace any points or generate any offense functionally at all uh, on Monday night against that Packers defense, uh, which is good at rushing the passer, but pretty much bad at all of their capacities, especially in terms of just giving up points. They were never going to muster anything in terms of garbage production. I do think we'll see Calvin really catch a pass in this game. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's still the wide receiver one. He took he, he as good as he's been. He took a zero and is still the wide receiver one in fantasy. Uh, so he was just spotting the field, you know, letting people come back, but. I Obviously, he's banged up too, you know, dealing with, what, an ankle, a hamstring himself. Um, you know, he only played, what, 64% of the snaps on Monday night. That was a season low. So we kind of got to monitor his situation as well. Uh, you know, then behind them, you know, it was really just top-heavy because we we've got what Russell Gage is – a regular guy, you know, he's, he's elevated by the offense and Olamide Zacchaeus is interesting enough. A guy I thought would compete for the slot spot in the off season. He's profiles more as slot receiver, but he's really Julio's backup. And we've seen that play out. He didn't run any routes in the slot on Monday night. Uh, he was a guy that was a real, he was a transfer. He was a running back that transitioned to wide receiver uh, and caught 85 balls and 93 balls his final two years in college. Um, nice little profile for him, but he's not a big guy, you know, 190 pound guy, only five, nine. So he's not a guy either. Like you're not replacing Julio with Julio. We can chase some volume. Um, but this Atlanta side is kind of sketchy. We're going to need them to do their part because the Carolina side, I think is the most intriguing side uh, in this matchup. And, you know, Dale can kind of lead us into that as well, but we're going to need Atlanta to do their part in this game to get us there. Yeah, so I just want to say, uh, from a DFS perspective, Zacchaeus on DK specifically, uh, you you know, they don't change the prices. The the, the salaries are already out on Monday night when the game is going down. And assuming that Julio is out, assuming Zacchaeus is getting some run, he's still a minimum of 3K, which is just a 3K wide receiver that's going to get some run and has a legit floor in theory uh, in a nice matchup here against Carolina. 2017 total game in a dome, love, love those dome games. Uh, he feels like somebody that could be an absolute gift, kind of salary saver, kind of open things up uh, as far as the rest of your lineup construction. Yeah, the one thing about him, though, is he had the eight for 86, and people are going to be drawn to that. But you also take in the contest that Ridley had zero, and Gage <laughs> had 22 yards. I mean, both of those things are probably on the lower end of the circumference. I get the play. The, the play isn't about him smashing because he's a 3K guy. It's the same reason people played, played Troutman last week and what he opens up. But the 8 for 86 also came attached to Gage only with 22 yards and Ridley having zero. What is a realistic uh, uh, you know, expectation if Julio is out? Like five for 50? 
four for 40, something like that. I think that's reasonable. Uh, Rich touched on it, but again, we know what Carolina is going to do. The issue is with Matt Ryan, what is this offense going to do with that Julio Jones? Because essentially two weeks now, like he played the first half. Sure, he was just out there. But Matt Ryan has been the QB 27 and QB 23 the past two weeks. So not carrying his weight at all. And although Todd Gurley is second in the league in this these past two weeks and avoided tackles behind Dalvin Cook, like we know they're not going to lean on Todd Gurley, who's not even get a usage in the passing game despite the fact we would like to use him because the Panthers have allowed the most receptions to opposing running backs again that doesn't matter since Todd Gurley's not getting targets now and this newfound only carries role that they've morphed him into the past two games so you just need Matt Ryan to do his part and I do like spinning Calvin Ridley in tournaments because remember we are still only one game removed from him having a career high 34% target share without Julio Jones and the the injury He's worrisome, but now, although it's a short turnaround, his ownership will be reduced in tournaments. So I'm fine running out the Panthers offense and Calvin Ridley only to spin it back. Uh, The Panthers offense, of course, we can start with Teddy Bridgewater because it's very easy. Falcons defense has allowed the most fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks. And now remember, this Falcons defense may have A.J. Terrell. He was on the COVID list. He returned to practice. I'm assuming that means he's going to play, but you never know nowadays with what's happening in Nashville. But beyond that, safety DeMonte Kazee tore his Achilles last game. Uh, Darquez Denard is on IR with a hamstring injury. Keanu Neal has a hamstring injury. Ricardo Allen is looking at a multi-week absence with an elbow injury. And then rookie Jalen Hawkins, who they started at safety last week, suffered a concussion mid-game. So this Falcons defense that was already atrocious is now likely becoming worse because they're going to be missing five starters. So I, you know, you have to love adding Bridgewater to your Mike Davis and or DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson stacks. So I was just kind of messing around before the show. And I, what I like to do is to sort of do uh, – I like to run a bunch of optimal lineups, right? Just sort of mm-hmm. see what it sort of spits out here at Rotor Grinders. And I think I actually had the blitz stuff put in there. Derek Hardy's the blitz. And, you know, I put some percentage as far as, like, plus, minus. I can go different ways depending on each, in each cycle. And the optimal spit out <laughs> – Three Carolina receivers. It's like, well, why? obviously I'm not playing that. <laughs> DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Curtis Samuel, and loading up as far as you know, running backs. It's just like I'm not doing that, but that just kind of speaks to how terrible that Atlanta defense is. Of course, the guys are priced down as well too. Can you, uh, Diggle? Can you like prioritize who's your favorite amongst Moore, Anderson, and Samuel? I was told Moore is the number one guy, but Robbie Anderson says no. I'm the best guy, and he's doing it every single week. Um, yeah, so how will we prioritize more Anderson and I guess Samuel's worth a conversation as well, too? So maybe it sticks, maybe it doesn't. But last week, Carolina ran a season-high rate of 12 personnel, uh, 19 plays, and that reduced Curtis Samuel's involvement in the offense, a season-low 47% of their snaps. So I don't even want to play Samuel whatsoever. And the Falcons against 12 personnel this year actually have allowed 11.6 yards per attempt and a 75% success rate through the air. So you would think that leads us to maybe even Ian Thomas. I don't know if the optimizer wants five Panthers, <laughs> but perhaps Ian Thomas, because the Falcons are also hitting the flow charts, but for the receivers, it's funny because they signed Robbie Anderson to be DJ Moore, 
and thus turned DJ Moore into Robbie Anderson with a, <laughs> an A dot over 12, whereas Anderson's being used all over the field with a nine A dot. Like, it's no fluke that DJ Moore, despite being 15th in the league in raw targets, doesn't have a touchdown. We're all complaining that his box scores would look better if he has touchdowns, but only 6% of his targets, oh, he's only accrued 6% of the Panthers' red zone targets this year, whereas Robbie Anderson has seen 27% of the red zone targets. Like, Robbie Anderson's floor is just better and much higher weekly because they're giving him every single opportunity both inside the red zone and in intermediate routes. So I don't mind going back to DJ Moore. I think he's a great tournament player, but Robbie Anderson is still the safer option in my opinion. Is this small sample stuff, Rebar? You think that's the way it's going to be going forward? Anderson's the, Anderson's a guy and Moore's the, you know, the second guy and that's that. I mean, it could oscillate definitely in season. I mean, the interesting thing is that it really hasn't even reversed. It's Anderson's getting everything. Anderson actually has more deep targets than DJ Moore, too. It's literally just DJ Moore has been just getting his targets in one section of the field, right in the intermediate routes, where Robbie Anderson's getting short routes. He's getting deep routes. He's getting intermediate routes. He's being used as like a all-around asset, whereas, you know, DJ Moore is kind of just operating in that, you know, just in, just in that X role, period. Uh, so, I mean, Anderson's had a high floor. I mean, he's been a top 15 receiver in three of the four games, he had at least five catches in every game. I mean, he's had a, he's had a higher floor and a higher ceiling. So that's why, you know, it's, it's easier to get drawn to him. I mean, I still see him. He's ranked lower than DJ Moore for some reason still, you know, across the industry. I think DJ Moore is a still, you know, a guy you can go back to in this matchup because they've played with positive game script the past two weeks. He did have the one tougher matchup on the outside as opposed to Moore when he drew Casey Hayward. Um but he's and he's still running a route on ninety percent of the team dropback. So like that's still things in it when you're taking a stacking a game, it's still a role worth putting on. And and and, it, and everyone was on him last week and he was awful. So we should probably see people not bite the bullet again, you know, and not fall for the trap again or go into it and take that in some stacks too. And then obviously Mike Davis is going to be you know super popular as well. I mean he was priced up a little bit, but he's still way underpriced. I think he's probably you know twelve to fifteen hundred dollars. Uh, too cheap still for where he should be because you know he's you know he's about eighty percent of what Christian McCaffrey was a top ten PPR back uh, the past two weeks he doesn't have the rushing viability McCaffrey had but he's got twenty percent of the team receptions uh, which trails only Alvin Kamara for share of team receptions for a running back Carolina targets their running backs forty seven percent of the time in the red zone that's the highest rate in the league and Atlanta's good against the run but also bad against the past running backs of the backfield. They allow a league high 19.4 PPR points per game to backs and 69% of Mike Davis's points have been on receptions. He's got 21 catches the past three weeks. So he's a guy too. That's probably underpriced. Reggie Bonifant just went on IR. So the snaps are secure. Uh, I think, I think he'll be popular. I think he'll be a popular cash game guy too. Um, but this Panther side overall is kind of what people are going to talk themselves into. Um, I agree with Daigle that you just can play Ridley running it back and don't really have to really play play and really get cute although I mean uh you know there are options to try to work some of those other guys in like Zacchaeus and yeah I don't know what else you want to do but I guess just Zacchaeus (laughs) (laughs) I I think Mike Davis is the you know the one of the places one of the guys you can point to and say running backs don't matter to some degree like you said he's not exactly seeing MC but the asking price especially on DK where it's full point PPR it's less than Fandle I think it's 6-4 which is you know CMC we're paying five figures up there sometimes as far as 10k he's definitely pumping out yeah, I mean, he's, he's pumping out 80%. With 80%. And like you said, they lost their running back. Now they, there's a person named uh, Trenton Cannon that they called up. Trenton Cannon does not have a carry and was inactive the past two weeks. And Petey Guerrero, I believe his name is, uh, just signed to the practice squad a UDFA at a Monmouth last week. Those are their only three running backs on their entire roster. 
And there's Alex Arba, who I think is a fullback. Fullback, yeah. And he's okay. getting carries, sure, but like you're never gonna you're never gonna play. He's not we're not going back into a few years ago when everyone was trying to talk themselves into Jamie's old Wale with the Raiders. Oh. Like we're never doing that again. <laughs> this, I mean, Mike Davis, okay, there's a there's a huge uh, opportunity across the running back this week. We were talking about a pre-show. Uh, the running backs seem so much more appealing than wide receivers as a general rule and my flex that when I running backs, of course. In tournaments, you can be different. You can be goofy, and that's one way to be different just right there, putting a wide receiver in, in your flex spot because the pool of running backs seems so, so much stronger to me as far as the pool of running backs, which we'll kind of dive into later on in the show. Uh, it just it put a bow on the quarterbacks as far as Ryan uh, and, and Bridgewater. Just general rules for me is like I just – especially in tournaments, I want a quarterback that has the upside that can get there in multiple ways. And the only way Ryan can get there is throwing for three, 400 yards or three touchdowns, which he can do. We've seen him do it before. But I love the outs that a guy like Lamar Jackson can give me, or Watson, or uh, or Josh Allen. I love the legs, and uh, so I, I have a hard time trusting, you know, Matt Ryan, and especially if he's without Julio. I guess that condenses uh, the options as far as pairing with a, a guy like Ridley. But that's just sort of where I'm at on that. I mean, does anybody want to sell me on Matt Ryan or Bridgewater? Or just I feel like I don't need them. No, not really. I mean, the Panthers also, too, are just, like, dropping back and playing just, like, shell coverage. You know, we thought they'd be a bad defense, and they aren't a talented defense at all. And they're not getting any pressure on the quarterback. They're last in the NFL in sacks and last in pressure rate. Uh, But they're just dropping back and playing coverage, and they're not giving up any, like, terms of yardage in terms of, like, big plays. Uh, They're, what, eighth in passing points allowed. They're third in yards per attempt allowed to quarterbacks and first in yards per completion. They're just like making quarterbacks throw underneath and, you know, coming up and making tackles. Like no one is hitting them over the top because they can't rush the passer. They know it. And they're just playing shell coverage. And my argument would be that Matt Ryan or Calvin Ridley can still have a hundred yards and a touchdown. And Matt Ryan can still have two fifty and two touchdowns and not match the top tier of quarterbacks. So thus we don't need to worry about him. Just play Ridley. Yeah. That that would be my (laughs) approach to it. Yes. Just play Ridley. And we have to, I guess we have to mention, well, I mean, Hayden Hurst, they, they paid Hurst a bunch of money and they're just not giving the ball for whatever reason. I'm not really sure what's going on there. Maybe one of you guys can explain it. And I don't want nobody, nobody wants to play Doc early. We kind of mentioned him in passing. Uh, but, you know, he's it's a high team total, 27 and change. I mean, they're, they're a home favorite, uh, you know, albeit very, very thin as far as the margins. Uh, doesn't really catch the ball. But the 5-7 price on DK is pretty reasonable. Uh, not not nearly as interested as, as far as the price on Fandle, but of course, Vandal, their, their, the way their structure goes as far as their scoring system fits Gurley's game more. But, like, he's just going to siphon some touchdowns in the goal line or something like that. But we're not we're not playing to- – I mean, I don't want to play Todd Gurley. Like, you know, I might begrudgingly just because it sort of fits and in tournaments and nobody wants to play him and yada, yada. Who wants to talk uh, – I know it's everybody pouncing at once. Uh, sell me on Todd Gurley. Any thoughts on Todd Gurley? Yeah. Crickets? Is that what we have? That's where we have we have crickets. Unless somebody lost their internet, I think we I have mean, crickets. <laughs> he's been more efficient the past two weeks, but his thirty carries are still uh what is this? Um five fewer than his first two weeks. So mm-hmm. like I don't want to bank on Todd Gurley's efficiency. That's the last thing I want from Todd Gurley. I want forty touches to hopefully get there, and he's not getting that. So yeah, and it, can we mention Hurst? Like tight ends as a whole, you know, for the most, a lot of the tight ends that we think are gonna, we're, it's like fetch. We're trying to make all these tight ends happen, but for the most part, they just don't happen. Troutman definitely fetch. At least after one week, we'll see how that goes down. But as a collective, they haven't been very good either, with the exception of like guys like Kittle. Uh, Andrews has uh, those spike weeks as well too. Uh, Hurst, any interest in Hurst, or it's just sort of meh? I think we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> can go ahead and the difference between Troutman, of course, is like. 
is cost. It's opportunity uh-huh. cost. Troutman was minimum. And I don't think he even killed you in cash games if you played him because he allowed you to do other things. Whereas, uh, you know, Hurst is what, 5,700 on FanDuel. I don't know what he is on tight end. I don't know what he is on DraftKings. But, like, he doesn't have the opportunity cost because he's still running routes. So, now, we could just go to the next game. Yeah, 4-7 on DK, and which is not a great price. And he's, like, 5 and change, 5-7 on FanDuel. Um yeah, and Bo, you, I survived Troutman. I, I played him. He got a zero. We've seen people take down tournaments with a zero at their tight end this year because the position's been so weak. And like you said, it's not necessarily, you don't necessarily roster that guy because you love him. You roster him because he gets you everything else you love. It's just line of construction within the world of a salary cap and, you know, whatever. You take a zero, 2.5K, but that opened up the world to you, and he kind of sort of helped. <laughs> Could have been any 2.5K player, but it's all right. He gets a trophy, too. He gets the participation medal. Sure, why not? Uh, I've had so many main slates this year where one of the big tight ends haven't been on it. Mm-hmm. There are multiple tight ends. Well, because Kittle missed two weeks too, but there's been so many weeks. I mean, the Chiefs were on primetime two weeks. The Ravens were on primetime because obviously they played the Chiefs. We've had a lot of weeks where we haven't had all Kittle, Andrews, and Kelsey all on the main slate, and this is one slate that actually has them all on it. All right. Uh, yeah, we're assuming that Kansas City game's a go. Who the heck knows? But as of right now, uh, all right, Cleveland, Indianapolis, not a big total, Rebar, 47. That's not something to get very excited about. Indianapolis, two-point favorite here. Uh, of course, Chubb being out, Hunt, whatever, for what it's worth on Wednesday, he was limited with his groin. Uh, Beckham as well, too, with his toe. But I'm not necessarily freaking out on Wednesday because, you know, Wednesday practice, whatever. Uh, limited, they weren't out for what it's worth. Uh, but all right, uh, I guess Hunt is somebody we have to talk about, Rebar. Well, what percentage more? He gets elevated, presumably, to the number one spot here as far as RB, but – their strategy, I don't think they're going to run him to the ground like Davis, right? They paid him, and he's their top guy. Uh, how many snaps is he going to get? What percentage? And, like, how much does he have to get to justify that roster spot? I mean, this this game is essentially the Spider-Man meme. I mean, you got two teams that want to do the same thing. I mean, they want to play slower and run the ball, uh, see see which team acquiesces. Maybe the whole game is slow, too. They're both in the middle in terms of, like, plays run. Uh, so we'll see, you know, what kind of shakes out there, too. And, you know, we have to see how real this Colts defense actually is based on their slate of opponents uh, the opening month as well. I do think their defensive line is actually really good. But, uh, you know, they're going to have a couple linebacker in- injuries already with, you know, you know, uh, Leonard, Leonard and Okariki are are, are, are kind of look like they're probably doubtful for this game. Uh, but if you're going to want to stop the run, you know, you're going to need to against Cleveland. I mean, I mean, Hunt is still probably under where he probably should be or will be, you know, in the next couple weeks. Uh, I don't think it'll be, like you said, maybe a spot where he's, you know, occupying, you know, 90% of the backfield touches. I don't think that that's where he'll be with this groin injury. But I think that Hunt is, is elevated higher than if it would have been inverse. If, like, say Hunt would have been hurt, and we were to talk about Chubb, it, we're more excited about Hunt taking over the lead duties than it is Chubb um, as RB1s. They both went RB1s, but, you know, with the pass catching ability Hunt has, we're more excited for his, you know, potential ceiling. It's kind of his re-opportunity that he's had since, you know, everything, the other transgressions that happened in Kansas City on his way out. So we have him as a lead back. He, we know he's capable in the passing game. Uh, there's really no reason to run away from, especially in this scheme that is just producing the most explosive runs by far in the NFL. Um I don't really see any reason to go away from him, to be honest. I don't. I, I think he's really tough to get away from outside of maybe wanting like an injury piece. I do think that maybe like Dearness Johnson, who had a large role, maybe won't have as large a role this week because he's not more of like the, you know, the, the pass catching guy. He's only going to be a guy that's going to come. He's like the Gus Edwards of the Browns. 
where we could see Hilliard play more passing stuff too as like a compliment. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But really, when I look at this game, and I'm curious to see, hear what Dagle has to say to sell me on the rest of it, it's just Kareem Hunt. Uh, and then I'm looking at the rest of these pieces, and it, I'm gonna need some. I'm gonna need some talking into. There you go. Uh, I I like the Browns with the line. So I mean, I bet it last week. Remember, I, I liked the Browns against the Cowboys last week, and I believe the look ahead was only the Browns like minus two and a half, something like that. I can't remember, but I got advantage of the number last week because I thought it was a good matchup, and that doesn't change my opinion with Nick Chubb out. Uh, Kareem Hunt. Of course, mispractice Wednesday and Thursday, and that's why I'm assuming he only got 11 carries and zero targets. He's averaging four targets per game, and he got zero last week. Just a really odd usage. So I think we can assume he handles 20-plus touches and de-earnest plays in a best-case, in my opinion, 70-30 split. I think we're going to see 80-20. And the Colts' defense, like they are fifth in football outsiders and rush defense DVOA, but they faced Jacksonville, (laughs) Minnesota, Jets, and the Bears. We're talking about a formal opponent finally, like the strongest offensive line in the league who is number one overall in adjusted line yards at Football Outsiders. So I think the Browns just show up and move people. Um, on the on the other side of the ball, are you talking about other pieces in general or just for the for the Browns, Reeves? Just anyone else in this game. <laughs> okay, so let's – I actually agree with that. Um, I think everyone is waiting for the Jonathan Taylor competitive game script. So let's get into that really quick because – The way it's shaped out is Marlon Mack got hurt week one. The Colts then took the cover and waxed Jonathan Taylor, let him out for a spin with the top completely down for 28 touches to Naheem Hines one in week two. And since that time, Taylor has a 42% backfield touch rate on 32 touches to Naheem Hines 23. So I repeat, 32 to 23 the past two weeks. That's insanely uh, not a high margin whatsoever. And Jordan Wilkins has 20 touches the past two weeks. And we can say, oh, like the Colts benched their starters in week three and week two. They got Wilkins involved as a Gus Edwards-like closer in the fourth quarter. That was not the case last week. Only two of Wilkins' touches occurred in the fourth quarter. So this man came in in a competitive game script, 7-3, to 10-3, and 13-3, to and handled 8 of 10 touches in that game script. So I'm worried it's actually a three-headed backfield still, and Jordan Wilkins is just slowly playing more. So although I would still like to buy Taylor's talent low and season long, we're talking about DFS, and I don't think you could pay me to touch Taylor this week. Yeah, 46% snap rate is what I'm seeing, and that's just that's just not enough for the asking price for me. Uh, just uh, Dago, just to clean up that uh, hunt, uh, as far as DeAndre Johnson last week, he had that you know he had a nice a nice game for whatever mm-hmm. it was worth. But uh, it's a combination of Hunt being dinged with dinged with his groin and a combination of the score. Possibly is that why you think Johnson was getting so much run? I think so, but then again, like the Cowboys did catch up in the end as they tend to do weekly, <laughs> and they just uh, they always come within one score. But that would be my assumption is that Hunt was dinged up, and so they they took it back a little bit. And I mean, it was the Browns' offensive line; like they were literally road grading people. Three hundred and seven yards, I think it was seven point six yards per carry um, against them. Like it was just running with ease. And so I think the Colts will present a tougher matchup. But this is still Kareem Hunt as an RB one; he's arguably matchup proof like he's still one of the slipperiest backs in all of the NFL despite his size we saw that last week so uh Kareem Hunt's just someone I'm not getting off of whatsoever so Daigle Beckham is that an outlier game or is he back because you know the box score he was incredible obviously but like he had two goofy gadget plays that you really can't see being repeatable uh you know one on the Landry pass and one on a reverse 
that's not going to happen week to week. And he, that's his first good game or like dominant, dominant game in several years, I want to say. Uh, you know, big name brand, but generally doesn't give that big output for you. Uh, so is that an outlier game or is Beckham back? I don't know if it's so much outlier. Like we should expect a few catches, like four to five and 80 yards from Beckham weekly. But uh, three touchdowns, of course, that's an outlier. Like uh, that matched his total with the Browns last year. So we can't help but say that's an outlier. Also, like the 50-yard run, super impressive. Don't get me wrong. But like Auden Smith had him dead to rights, did his job in reverting him in 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. And then as they've done the rest of the year, the other 10 guys on defense just didn't show up. Um, And that's been the case with the Cowboys, who we'll talk about here in a bit. So, yeah, I I think it was an outlier. Um, I mean, if anything, you're happy Beckham finally did something like Landry's the one here who in season long, you're just, you're dead with like you cannot start him or flex him whatsoever the rest of the year because you banked on a throwing touchdown to Beckham last week. <laughs> and if he didn't get there, he just did the same thing he does every week with like a couple catches, four catches, 40 to 50 yards. And that's just who he is now. Reba, you, you basically like uh, Kareem Hunt in this game. It sounds like you're not waiting on anybody else. You kind of not wave the rest. Is that kind of how you feel as far as Cleveland, uh, the receivers here? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've seen the Browns, what they want to do. And if this game is kind of, you know, in neutral game script and they're occupying the capacity they want to, I mean, they're just not a team they're going to have a lot of dropbacks. And that's kind of why, you know, Odell's in the same boat. I mean, you know what we're going to get out of him. He has scored now in four of his past six games going back to last year. So he's starting to find the end zone at least and show that. But you, you're, you're, the targets aren't there. He's had, what, one game over the six games going back to last year with over eight targets. Uh, the, just like I said, the dropbacks aren't there. And Baker still is, you know, we still don't know what we have in Baker Mayfield. I mean, lost in the, the shuffle of that game last week is that Baker Mayfield threw for five and a half yards for pass attempts against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Like that, that is not exactly like it, his peripherals still are not endearing because mm-hmm. the Colts are a team. When you look at the Colts and you say, yeah, the defense is playing well and they show up in all these rate stats and they probably, you know, have actually generally improved. Uh, but we still don't know what we have in the actual Colts defense because of their schedule so far, the opponents they've faced. And it's really hard to say that Mayfield is like above the tier of quarterbacks they faced. Uh, so it's really tough to say that they'll be challenged again. I mean, the Browns have some wide receivers uh, that are better than the, the guys that they face so far. But I mean, we're still not, probably not going to get any answers. It's probably going to be a slower paced game. if Both teams get what they want out of this game and they're able to just kind of, you know, play a neutral game script and we're both run the football. I mean, and on the Colts side, I mean, how do we talk ourselves into it? They're doing the same thing. They, you know, Philip Rivers has no dropbacks. Uh, you know, when you look at him, uh, he's 22nd in dropbacks on the season. They're t- him and Dave Mayfield are tied. They have the exact same number of dropbacks. Um, and then what are we supposed to do with T.Y. Hilton? The guy hasn't had, you know, more than 87 yards in any game dating back to last year. Uh, we're talking ourselves into Zach Pascal, uh, you know, any of these tight ends. I mean, it's how, I mean, it's just really hard. There are no like individual pieces to really latch onto. And by the way, Dean, you're talking to a group of people right here who have T.Y. Hilton and like one of our best football guys championships teams. So we're more asking rhetorical questions of T.Y. Hilton <laughs> than we are saying don't play him because we also are struggling with him right now. He's on the wrong side of 30. He's got a history of injuries. Um, like he's got Philip Rivers throwing him the ball. Uh, he's not in the dome. I, I know he's 4.9 K on TK. And like, that seems really, really cheap just on the surface, but like he hasn't done it in a while. It's just not happening. And, um, you know, I guess he turns 31 next month. I want to say I was kind of digging into that, see how old he was. And uh, yeah, maybe Hilton's just not the guy we want him to be anymore. He had a good I run. Mean, even if you, even if you get a touchdown from him, like what are the odds? Like he's got like a 25 or 30 in him, you know, it's just really hard. 
at wide receiver to, I mean, if you're not, cause we're not going to play him in cash. Cause we've already seen there's no floor. So in a tournament, like what, how do we sell ourselves on him being a guy that can really have like one fifty and two or something like that? Cause those are the guys we want to play. You know, how do we play him over a Darius Slate and how do we play him over a Wolf Fuller? It's just, it's just really hard to make the it's- argument. Especially because, like, the last three weeks, three wins, by the way, so I would not expect him to change it. Rivers has attempted 25, 25, and 29 passes. He attempted 46 throws in week one, but they, of course, lost that game. So, like, they're not going to change what they have right now. And, and the grandma narrative failed. The grandma, the, your grandma calls you out. The and Grammy you narrative. Oh. And you still can't get there. Like, that's it, right? We got to move on. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> I suppose you can kind of talk to yourself and watch some old film of T.Y. Hilton on NFL.com or something like that. But I don't know, man. Uh, I'm not ready to write him off just yet, but it sounds like you guys are not encouraged, and I'm not encouraged either. But he is kind of interesting for that price. But, again, the opportunity is not way there. Maybe he, maybe he can get loose once, but anybody can get loose once, I suppose. Like you said, the upside is just not what it used to be. Let's move on to the Giants and the Cowboys. Uh, 54 total. Dallas is a 9.5-point favorite, which is they shouldn't be a 9.5-point favorite for anybody, but that's just how bad the Giants are. Uh, I think Jones hasn't thrown for a touchdown in, I want to say, at least three weeks or so. Uh, are we consider- let's, start with, let's start with the Giants. Sure, why not? Somebody mentioned Slayton. Uh, Rebar, is, set up the Giants for us. Is, is uh, Freeman in play? We have the, the running back. We, he was the number one guy there by default, I suppose. But he's hard to get excited about. But he's facing Dallas, so you're supposed to get excited about players. But I have no excitement for any of these Giants outside of the fact that they're opponents. What are we doing here? Yeah, I think this game is going to be interesting because obviously the past two weeks, you know, stacking the Cowboys <laughs> and their opponents has been what has led to the biggest paydays. And I think people will definitely gravitate back to that. But I think people need to take at least some context of this opening month of the season for the Cowboys and understand these just like super weird games that they've been involved in, like are <laughs> probably an abnormality, uh, even as with as bad as we objectively think their defense is. I mean, Dak Prescott is the most dropbacks in NFL history through four weeks. They have they have led for the fewest amount of snaps in the NFL, so they've just consistently trailed. We do know they want to play fast, and they're going to be aggressive, and it's a good offense we want. But, I mean, none of us also believe that Dak Prescott is going to throw for 7,000 yards this year either. <laughs> like, that's just not going to happen. And I think this is a good spot to game theory off of this game in this stack. I mean, just because it's going to be so popular because it's won so many people so much money. But as nine-and-a-half-point favorites – um, the giant side, we have to completely elevate. We didn't have to do that the previous two weeks, even with the Browns. We didn't have to do it with the pieces that, that were played. The, you have to just go match up foot forward with these, uh, these, these giant pieces. There's nothing they have done on the football field so far that has made you want to play any of these guys. They have three touchdowns on 39 possessions this NFL season. Uh, they have scored one touchdown on their past 28 drives. Sure. Do I think they'll score a touchdown this game? Yes, I do. Do I think that they will score 40? I do not. Uh, you know, there's a potential here. And like I talked about, you know, with, with Baker Mayfield, the assumption is that the Cowboys are a free square, but Jared Goff was the QB 29 against them and Mayfield threw for five and a half yards for pass attempt. I think the Cowboys can still rush the passer a little bit. The Giants still aren't protecting Daniel Jones on any level. Um, I think the only piece that I can really like talk, talk myself into that I think is like an objectively just good play all around is Slayton. Um, just because of the opportunity he has. I mean, he since Shepard's now, he's at 18%, 19% of the team targets. Uh, you know, we haven't seen, like, the results fully fall through because no one's done anything on the team, but he's got a 13.2 average depth of target. He leads the team with 37% of team air yards. The next closest player is at 14% 
at Evan Ingram. And then Dallas has really struggled against lead wide receivers and then vertical targets where Slayton, you know, is, is going to operate. So, I mean, he's like the one guy that I think is, is a good play, especially for his price um, and the upside he, you know, possesses. Uh, but the rest of this Giants, like you have to start with the matchup first. And that's always a sketchy area. Anytime you have to start yeah. with the, the defense first and then saying, well, the defense is going to allow this to you. Uh, I mean, it's it's a real grayer. We've all died on that hill. Um, I think Daniel Jones is super cheap. He's fine as turn play, but I think he's going to be more popular. I think he's going to be pretty popular. And I haven't seen projected ownership. And I checked before while Dago was talking a minute ago, and I still didn't see it up at RG. Uh, but I'm curious to see at 5-4 what he'll be owned because there's a chance he could be over owned. I think he'll be popular. Yeah, uh, I look forward to it as well, too, before we went on air. And, I, you know, I imagine our owners will be up on <clears throat> Thursday. We, again, if you guys are just jumping in, well, I don't know if you're just, just jumping in, but we are recording this uh, on a Wednesday night. I don't know why you would just jump in and say, let's go to the middle of the show. That would be kind of weird. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought you were going to say Ingram as far – you know, Slayton and Ingram seem like the two most appealing options. I don't think I want to mess with Freeman. And we talked already about the, the big opportunity cost as far as running back. We like a lot of running backs this week. And, you know, Freeman can be perfectly fine, I suppose, as far as getting that quote-unquote value, which I don't like that term. I don't like how we talk about that and getting your 3X, depending on where right. you're shopping, because it's just it's, there's so many other factors that are involved in that. And if your guy's 10K, 3X is different if a guy's 3K. So uh, let's, not, let's not dig into that stuff. Uh, Daigle, the Giants, and that was an interesting point, because, yeah, it's like if the biggest selling point you have is not how good the player is, just like this is who they're playing, that means it, they're probably not good. Yeah, Golden Tate has 13 targets the past two weeks without Sterling Shepard, but his A dot is four and a half. Like they're just they're just getting the ball out to him. That's it. Um, so I, being the guy who typically swallows the air yards, don't care about the floor. I try to chase winning, uh, even though that has not been the case the past four weeks just yet. We're still trying to find our stride here. Um, I would still go Darius Slayton this matchup. I'm intrigued though because we know Rich said it. We know Dak isn't going to throw for 6,700 yards. Um, I think Zeke is terrific leverage off the Cowboys passing game. And then I don't mind the mm-hmm. Cowboys defense because this Giants oh, yeah. offense uh, <laughs> is still averaging 4.6 yards per play, right? And uh, Daniel Jones is taking 14 sacks in their first four contests. So it does make sense that, of course, the Giants could carry their weight this game since it's finally a good matchup. Cowboys defense is allowed 36 and a half points per game and is actually on pace for the most points in franchise history by 148 margin like they're they're clearing franchise history records at the same time though we know Daniel Jones turns the ball over like I just said we know he takes sacks and we know Jason Garrett is still running this offense so I think you can correlate Zeke who has outtouched Tony Pollard 93 to 12 on the entire season and outtouched Tony Pollard last week 20 to 4 despite Pollard playing a season high 25% of the snaps doesn't matter at all this is still Zeke's backfield and so you can correlate those two to also gain leverage off the Giants offense if you don't trust them and the Giant, the Cowboys passing game which everyone's just going to out of a habit now anybody on the Jason Garrett revenge game is that is that a thing <laughs> I don't I don't think I mean unless it's like Jerry Jones getting revenge on Jason Garrett for screwing the franchise up for 10 years I don't I don't think it's a revenge game at all yeah I mean I just don't think anyone is is properly valuing the Cowboys passing game just based on the amount of absurd volume they've had. I mean, the, the most dropbacks in NFL history four weeks, like I mentioned. But when you look at the actual target shares for these guys, there's a big difference when Dallas starts to have 35 pass attempts in a game versus the 55 they've been having per game. I mean, CeeDee Lamb has just been at 11% and 12% of team targets. Those six to eight targets he's getting in the 55 dropbacks games, 
turn into four and five real quick. You know, and the same thing with Dalton Schultz, who's had a similar target share the past two weeks. But when you're throwing 55 times, 12% of the targets look real good, right? Like they, they, it, it gets elevated, it gets pumped up. Um, I do think that Lamb, is for the price and, and where he occupies you know, in the slot, 93% of his routes are in the slot and where the Giants have struggled. Because James Bradbury has played well. I don't know what hit the non-tackle attempt was on Cooper Cup was. I don't know what – I don't really don't know what he was doing on that particular play. But he has played well this season. I mean, he wasn't guarding him either. He just should have made the tackle. Uh, Cooper Cup didn't even juke him. I mean, he just ran a straight line. Uh, but James Bradbury has played well. But Cooper's target share is still really high. I mean, he's getting 26% of the team targets. And we've seen in week one, even against Ramsey, they were still getting him targets, uh, even in Ramsey's coverage. So he's like, a, he is safe to me. But I, I mean, these ancillary pieces that are getting elevated by the overall value, I think are getting overvalued, as particularly in a season long stance, where I think you probably can flip like, like a guy like CeeDee Lamb, I think you can flip for something pretty high right now. Um, and it's not a guy I want to run away from. We know that this offense is a carnival and we want to have peace of the Cowboys. We wanted it coming in. Uh, but like, there's a difference between like 35 to 40 dropbacks and the amount of absurdity they had this, this opening month and the context that that has kind of give to the raw total to these guys. I love Zeke as a pivot off the passing game guys. People just want to keep playing these guys. It's won everyone all the money the past two weeks. That's why yeah. I haven't won any money because I've tried to been <laughs> f- fading them. I've been wrong both weeks. I'm all about embracing the good chalks. I, I've been doing pretty well with the, with the Dallas offense, some of their opponents as well. Uh, Zeke, I would imagine, is going to be a cash game staple this week. They're a 32-team total, uh, nine-point favorite. I know their lines had some issues. Uh, Smith's been in and out. Uh, Smith, I expect, is going to be back. So I saw somebody talking about how he didn't look particularly great out there. I'm not somebody that dives into, like, breaking down offensive lines. I can't tell you. I'm not savvy enough to, you know, dig into that film. But uh, And they also lost a couple other guys in their center who hasn't taken a snap the whole season long. But the tricky part with Dallas and pairing him in tournaments, like you said, is, like, it's – Seattle, in theory, I'm told they basically have two options. That wasn't the case last week, but it's much easier to figure out, mm-hmm. is it going to be Lockett or, or DK, as opposed to is it going to be Cooper? Is it going to be Gallup? Is it going to be Lamb? Is it a Schultz week? Maybe Wilson pops up and does something. Uh, trying to get the exact the boxes, which two is the guy to kind of pair him with. And then you combine that with the fact that, as, as you're talking about, Rebar, the opportunities probably are not going to continue the same going forward. We're not going to have this many dropbacks. We're not going to have this, this many passes. It's just been a, a goofy four weeks. It's just how things go down. Well, uh, I think that's why everyone is upset at Gallup and season long as well. And taking, <laughs> taking these L's in DFS whenever they play him because he's only boomed one time. But the issue is the guy is seeing fewer targets than last year, right? His target share trails Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz, honestly. Um, but there are more options now in the passing game. Thus, he's seeing few opportunities. And the opportunities he has, he is not only – um, a high on the team in air yards per attempt at, with a over 17, but like he's third in the entire league. Only Marquise Brown and Marquez Valding Scantling are seeing deeper throws than Michael Gallup per target. So he's also being asked to catch in these like harder to catch balls, first of all, on fewer chances per game. And that's why it's so volatile. And that's why he either won you money against Seattle or the other three weeks, he left you like in the dust with just an egg in your hand. Does anybody want to stand for uh, for Dalton Schultz? I know people like Jarwin at the end of the year. It feels like he's just kind of sort of, sort of stepped in and taken over that role. He's getting plenty of targets, a couple of touchdowns he's got in the box as well, too, and uh, not as sexy as name, at least to my, own, uh, my knowledge as far as his pedigree. But he's been perfectly fine and tight end. It could be squeamish uh, picking a tight end week on week. On week. I'll let, anybody want to sell me on Dalton? I'll let Rich do it because I'm still pissed off that he's basically become Blake Jarwin. Like He's just <laughs> taking Blake Jarwin's role. Is all tight ends don't matter. 
Yeah, we all wanted it to be Jarwin. I mean, he's the same thing. I mean, 10.5% and 13.8% of the targets the past two weeks, and those come down, it turns into four or five targets. But the one thing about him is, like you mentioned, is near the paint. I mean, he's tied with Cooper with eight red zone targets so far in the season, which gives him kind of that scoring upside still, which at tight end, you know, if you get in the paint, you're basically flirting with a top 10 option just by default of scoring a touchdown, uh, given the construct of the, the landscape of the position right now. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not, I don't, when I approach this and, and my take here is not, I'm not down on the Cowboys offense by any means. I just think the absurdity of the volume they've had has got to, it has to regress at some point and them being nine and a half point favorite against the team that scored three total offensive touchdowns seems like a real good spot to get some handoffs going that's what that, and that's what happened last week dean um you know you weren't on the show but we talked about i i said i like outright like the browns to win and that happened but it happened in the reversed way of what i thought would happen like i thought they were going to dominate on defense and the cowboys passing game would regress in week three i would imagine we or week four i imagine we see that this week I could be left stuck with nothing in my hands with Zeke and the Cowboys defense, but that's who I like in this game. And it almost so, happened. I mean, listen, that game was 41 to 14 going into the fourth quarter. Yep. <laughs> like, and it was just the hell broke loose, man. Like hell broke loose. But the Brown, like, cause they were throwing up into that point. Like no one, no one's like the fourth quarter, it all started to click and it came together, but there was a two quarter period where the Cowboys were still doing that same stuff and it was not working. They're, they're an onside kick away from 0 and 4. Like this is, this may not be a good team. Turns out Mike Nolan can't call a defense. Go figure. Well, they're only one win away from winning that division, right? Isn't that the, yeah. the it's like uh, one, two, and one is Philadelphia leading the division, if I'm not mistaken? It's a disaster. Whenever, uh, whenever one of the coaches in your division says we're making the move to Kyle Allen to win the division, that's when you know how bad the division is. We're going to talk about the Kyle Allen thing, which is so weird. I mean, DK I do specific. think they can rush the passer, man. I do think the Cowboys can still rush the passer if they yep. cho- so choose to. Dallas minus nine and a half. Anybody want to take a stand here from a Vegas perspective or no? <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not betting on the Cowboys anymore. Okay. <laughs> what was what was the stat you had on Twitter, Reeves, that uh, Cowboys have only led for seven snaps this year? Yeah, the wow. few the, the Jets have led for more snaps uh, than the Cowboys. It's I mean, it's, it's all played into it's all played into this, and we inherently know the Cowboys do want to play fast and they do want to be pass heavy. We know that. That's but like to this level is extreme. Like it's it's reached it's reached its apex. I think. Uh, I know. Uh, and if the ownership's going to be jammed up, like if you're telling me, because in a typical week in the contract of the season, like where Daniel Jones, like last year when he'd run into one of these spots and we'd say, yeah, he's got the ceiling for these spots, but like, I don't want to play Daniel Jones when he's a pot, when he's popular. I want to play him when he's, yeah, I want to play him where the thirties like going to like, I can get like, I have, I'm going to have to go overweight on Daniel Jones. That's a problem. Like, I don't want to do that. Um, and especially in this year, cause Daigle brought up last week on the show, like, like paying down for quarterbacks, like is, has been really sketchy this year because all the top guys are just dropping bombs right now. Like you're getting you, like all the big time, the big time quarterbacks are dropping, you know, 35s and 40s. We're like, we, like, I mean, even looking at the, the landscape, 20 points and like from a quarterback isn't even getting you there anymore. Like, whereas we were happy, like, hey, man, I'm going to pay 5K for my quarterback or 5'5. Five, five. I'm going to get my 20 points or my 25 points and get out of there. It doesn't matter when the other guys are scoring 35 and 40 and like they're just going crazy. Yeah, that speaks to what kind of what I was referencing before, like you're getting value. If you're getting 3X or 3.5X or 4X out of your 5K quarterback, that might not be enough because LJAX is going nuts and, you know, Mahomes and, and Prescott and Kyler Murray and Allen, all these guys with legs. Uh, just missed the cut, Dago. So I'll let you talk about, uh, and this is a good segue into our quarterback conversation. Uh, Houston Texans, of course, they dump Bob. 
Uh, he blew up the, fa- the franchise on his way out, but no Bill O'Brien, Romeo Cornell taking over. Uh, they have a 30-team total. Watson, pretty reasonable price. Uh, he makes a lot of sense here in a matchup against the Jaguars. They're pretty terrible. Uh, are they going to let Watson cook? And the other part of it is, does he have the right ingredients? Like, he doesn't have DK to cook with. He doesn't have Lockett to cook with. He's got Cobb and Cooks. Well, there you go. That just kind of worked out that way. That wasn't planned. Uh, and Will Fuller, okay, he's a lot of fun. You can dump it off to Johnson, I suppose, either Johnson. Uh, but I, Watson feels like a good bounce back. I, Cornell, I don't like the retread. You know, give me a new guy. Give me somebody that's imaginative. I don't know how imaginative Cornell is going to be with this offense. But, again, they're facing the Jags, 30 total. Does Watson uh, just kind of go nuts this week? Uh, and I know you have general thoughts in that game as well, too, Daigle. Uh, you didn't hear? That's actually why Crane stepped away because <laughs> he played Brandon Cooks like I suggested last week. Oh, no. Um, no. So so there's there's a few things going on here. But for the Texans, uh, it depends. Like you can bet on a scheme change if you would like under Romeo Cornell, who has run one of the league's worst defenses, by the way. So it's very odd that we're assuming this team just becomes better since the Cavalry's here. Like, they're not getting anybody. All the horses are in the field right now, and that's all they're getting. Um, and they have the, one of the league's worst rushing defenses. Um, and OC Tim Kelly, who should finally be allowed to do his job. The thing is, we have to look at injury reports because the Jaguars' pass defense was actually really good in the first half last week. And C.J. Henderson is one of been, has been one of the better surprises of the entire year. Like, he did allow over nine yards per target in his final year with Florida, but everyone knew he was a super specimen athlete, and some people thought he just checked out and was waiting for the NFL. And it turns out so far that was the case because he's been terrific. Like, he's been shutting down terrific league-proven wide receivers. The thing is, in the first half, C.J. Henderson, Miles Jack, and D.J. Hayden, who the Jaguars just put on IR, were banged up. And in the second half, the Bengals' drives finished as touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal, field goal. So if these three guys, these three important pieces are missing, I think it could be a very big day for Deshaun Watson and perhaps even David Johnson. (laughs) By God, David Johnson. Uh, So yeah, I do like Deshaun Watson. Uh, I think he'll still be pretty popular, though, given the team total. And I don't know if I want to chase an offense. I don't really have complete trust in, even though it is easy to run them back with a player we'll talk about in a second. Um, I like, and I'm only going to say it and cut Reeves off because he's never going to say this person. This is completely off the board. I hate myself for it. I like Jimmy Garoppolo if he's able to play against Miami. Uh, Dolphins have allowed the fourth most fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks and Garoppolo's two starts this year were basically without Kittle who banged up his knee in the second quarter and then didn't play again in the second half and without Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. It's a completely different offense and Jared McKinnon's hands are better than Raheem Mostert. So if Garoppolo's under center, I like stacking him with Kittle who I still think is the best tight end play on this entire board despite spinning up for him. Your thoughts there, Rebar? Yeah. I mean, I like Jimmy G just follows that corollary of like, can he get there? Can we can get there he with match 20? the best? Yeah, yeah can, that's can we the get thing. there with 20, 25? Um, but I, lo- I love him as a play. Do they need to? Um, is, is kind of my question. Like, does San Fran need to like go all out, especially if Jimmy G's kind of sort of banged up to some degree? I suppose they wouldn't throw him out there if he was uh, not 100% and they have what beat hard, Beathard. So, uh, yeah, I, I'll say like I'm a sucker though for playing guys off injury. Um, I played Tyreek Hill when he came off injury last year. I played Kenny Galladay when he came off injury against the Cardinals. I will play Michael Thomas in the showdown in the captain if he plays Sunday night uh, or Monday night, whenever the game is. I, I, I just like playing guys off injury whenever they're limited throughout the week because that tells me they were only held back in practice and should be good to go um, in the game. So, 
Uh, that's the way I treat injuries. And if Garoppolo, Garoppolo plays, I imagine it's not out of necessity since this is still a team getting it done week in and week out. It's because he's good to go. Rich? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any pushback on. Go somewhere else. We don't need to. We don't need to talk about Garoppolo anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, L. Jacks, Mahomes. Uh, we talked about Prescott. You know, Josh Allen. Is he going to keep what he's doing uh, going forward as far as the passing yards? Of course, he's got some legs as well too, especially by the goal line. Who are the, the quarterbacks you're looking at? And we kind of mentioned them in passing. You know, and this is a DK specific play as far as Kyle Allen taking over the. Look, I don't want to play Kyle Allen. Nobody wants to play Kyle Allen, and I don't even know why he's taking over to be honest, because he's not a part of that future there in Washington. I would imagine. But he's 4.1K on DK. And, you know, we there is a big opportunity cost now to quarterback because they're, they're always begging quarterbacks here to go absolutely nuts. So you got to get there in other spots, got to make up the difference. But at 4-1, I think it's at least worth mentioning there's a person mm-hmm. throwing footballs for 4.1K. Eh. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest problem is, like, where do you have to pay up? Like, what, there's no trouble to get to the plays you want this week because mm-hmm. wide receiver is the, the, in the situation we're in. You know, one, Michael Thomas hasn't played. Devontae Adams hasn't played. It's really been DeAndre Hopkins in kind of a wide gap. I mean, you have Tyree Kill out there. Um, but, like, we haven't really been forced to, like, chase guys. We've had so many running back injuries that even the top running backs have kind of oscillated and moved around the board a little bit, and we've had kind of cheap options. So, I mean, even when you get that – when you say, yeah, I can get Kyle Allen or at this 4-1, I mean, it's not hard to get to the other plays you want. So, I mean, it's interesting. Like, you might have to just play expensive guys that are priced up there for, you know, kind of the reasons you do – we're bypassing them. It's kind of tough. I mean, like, do you want to just get out – like, you know, I guess Allen Robinson is on the main slate, but, you know, that tier of receiver, I mean, it, it's easy to avoid those guys. Um it's just tough because, I mean, you, you can play all the guys you want already. This is, when, this is when you know, Rich, though, Dean is fitting in because he's already mentioned the bad quarterback of the week. Like you I don't want to play him. I just feel like I have to point it out because of the price. I, I don't want to play that role. Trust me, I don't like that nonsense. I don't want to play that. But, but you got to mention, uh, Mitch Trubisky was mentioned the last three years on this show. Uh, uh, now all we need to know, Dean, is if you drink wine in your red uh, ice in your red wine. Like, and then then we're good to go. We're off to a start I don't here. drink wine. Yeah. I'm not a, okay, I'm that's not, fair. That's fair. I, I mean, yeah. I meant yeah. ice, not wine. We're going to exclude you now from the show, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, and like you said, like the, the difference is like what it gets you. And if it opens up a guy like – say you have the combination of Ridley and Hopkins. If both those guys go for 150 and two, and that can make up the difference, right. I suppose. And that's kind of opens it up. But, you know, obviously Allen needs to put up like at least 17 points, which I think he's capable of doing. I don't know what his ceiling mm-hmm. is. I don't know why they're swapping him in. with Hop- You know, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on in Washington, but – and they're not that far out of the lead because the, that old division is sort of terrible. Uh, other quarterbacks that you're looking at, Rebar? I mean, we pretty much covered them. It's like, like I said, those big dogs. Uh, I think, you know, the, you know, Teddy's fine. And then, you know, we touched on Daniel Jones if he's going to be on. So I think that pretty much covers it. I am interested in just the Chiefs in general because they've been off the main slate, you know, three of the first four weeks. They've not been on the main slate. So, and then, and, and people have some skepticism of whether or not that game will be played, uh, you know, at this point in the week. So they might just be like out of people's minds, you know, in general. Uh, and it's a great spot for them. You already mentioned their team total uh, <laughs> against the Raiders team. I mean, Clyde Edwards, he I think is in a great spot. Um, you know, he's a great pivot off of a guy like Kareem Hunt, you know, if the ownership's going to be suppressed. I'm just real curious to see, you know, projected ownership because the Chiefs in general, like I said, they haven't been on the main slate just once so far this season. Uh, and then the, the, the stuff surrounding their game. I mean, the Raiders have been so bad to opposing running backs so far to open the year. I know the Chiefs will just throw in touchdowns at will. That's not a thing where, you know, Clyde Ziller generally is guaranteed, like, you know, touches in the red zone. We've seen that kind of happen, you know, for periods of Kareem Hunt, you know, 
uh, you know, with Mahomes the start of that year, he just he blitzcrag the league. But, uh, you know, you look at the Raiders, they've allowed, you know, 50, 49.2% of fantasy points against them have gone to running back. 62% of the touchdowns have been rushing. It's Clyde Edwards-Lair just as I, came off of a three-game spot where he faced the the Chargers, the Ravens, and the Patriots, who are all top 10 against running backs. And he had 20 touches for 98 yards per game in those games uh, and now gets a cupcake, his, his, only, his first one since Houston, which he smashed in week one. Uh, I'm real curious just to see that spot. And the Chiefs in general, uh, the, just the ownership is going to be on the Chiefs because the Chiefs are really good. They're all sort of priced where they should be, like market price. Like you said, 34 and a half as far as that team total is a monster number. Uh, Oakland, I was looking at their DVOA stuff, and they're 30th versus the paths and 30th versus the run. That seems really bad. And that kind of speaks to the 34 and a half as far as the total. And, uh, yeah, Alaire, that's the reason why running back is so tough because I love Elliott. I love Alaire. Uh, Hunt, obviously, getting the world opened up to him. We talk about Mike Davis is going to take like pretty much every single snap there in Carolina. David Johnson's pretty interesting with some upside. I think Robinson was alluded to earlier, which uh, uh, Dago, I'm sure you'll talk about in a second. If if Tennessee plays, like Henry can put up 150, like why not? I suppose that's possible as well too. Uh, and McKinnon, uh, if Mostert, who's probably not going to play this week, McKinnon versus the Dolphins, like why can't that be a spot, you know, a monster spot as well too? So I'm having a hard time kind of willing down my running backs. Uh, jump in here, Dago, as far as uh, CEH, feel free to give a thought. And then just, you know, those guys that are thrown out there. And I think you want to talk about McKinnon to some degree. Not McKinnon, uh, James Robinson. Yeah, um, Clyde Edwards-Lair, just to add to what Rich said, I mean, he's just in just a smash spot, man. Uh, I tweeted this last night, but his touch rate among Kansas City's running backs has progressed weekly. 73 and 76.1%, 80%, and then 95% last week. Like, this is his backfield. And the time to shine is now with that high team total against the Raiders. And... Like, I'm skeptical about the Chiefs' offense. Like, I would even say I'm I'm going to probably bet the under because I think it's going to keep creasing. But, like, what donkey bets the under in 2020? Um, <laughs> having said that, I don't. I think this is a game where the Chiefs just scale back. Like, they don't need to prove anything. Uh, remember, Patrick Mahomes had a deep ball rate, slightly over 6% in the first two games because they didn't need to try. They're LeBroning the regular season. They know they're the best. Um, 14% against the Ravens whenever they were just doing nothing but stacking 10-plus yard plays as the best team in the league whenever they needed to show up. Um, the Patriots played well against them last week. But then the Chiefs pieced together a 75 and 85 yard second half drives, put the game away and just scaled back from there. Um, so I do worry about the Chiefs just trying in this game, just showing up because they don't need to stack the box score. They can still hide their offense if they choose to. But that still leads us to stack Clyde Edwards Hilaire in a terrific spot against the Raiders, who will have no answer for him. As for James Robinson, that's my bring back. Um, with any Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller or Brandon Cook stack. And it's because the Cowboys just allowed 307 yards to the Browns last week, but yet the Texans have still allowed 37 more rushing yards to than the Cowboys, like than anyone else in the entire league because they're that poor. And like I mentioned, they're not getting any help. This is their team the rest of the season. All they have done is promote the same guy running that defense, that same very bad defense, to head coach. And James Robinson, a season high 100% of the running back touches just last week. I assume this is his backfield now as well. And with DJ Shark, they've just been a more potent and explosive offense. And three games with DJ Shark, Gardner Minshew has and 300 yards and or three touchdowns. So um, yeah, I like James Robinson a lot this week as well. I know you guys dabble a lot with season long. Who's the, who's the, who, who was a, I don't know if it's any of you guys, but uh, who was on Kenyon Drake? Because is a time to panic for Drake is, is Edmonds just going to usurp him? Is that what we're looking at at this point? 
Anybody had a, anybody big on a uh, drink? I mean, I wasn't into it. I wasn't in on uh, drink. You know, I'd kind of wrote uh, an article earlier in the summer that thought he was like a clear dynasty sell. Uh, and that's looking, looking all right right now. <laughs> yeah. So I was in on him. So you could explain why it was wrong, Rich. Cause I, I was in on Kenyon Drake. <laughs> well, because it is, it's the same thing we talked about almost with the Giants players that every, every pro that everyone started with for Kenyon Drake never had anything to do with Kenyon Drake. It had to do with the system. <laughs> it had to do with, you know, I mean, we have an eight year sample too, where he hasn't been a bell cow and he is actually, actually is getting touches all he's not getting used in the passing game. And it was just one of those things where you're, you're going to get a guy priced up that has never been used in that capacity of his career. And he really only had like two monster games to close the season. And he won people money because they're weeks, what, 14 and 15 or 15 and 16 last year. But he still had a lot of down weeks too with the Cardinals, even going over there. Um, and then his price, it was just, it was just a, a, a convergence of all those things. And in Dynasty, no commitment from the team. They only got the transition tag. Uh, there, there was a lot of ways for this to go sour and only one for it to go well, which I thought made him a, a clear, you know, obvious Dynasty sell. Uh, just a good process sell. Like, I, even if you thought he was good or not, just all those things, you know, compounding, just the process. Like, I'll, I'll trade a guy in Drake's spot like that nine times out of ten uh, and probably profit, you know, 75% of the time just – because it's, it's objectively good process to, to kind of operate in the capacity. A mid-age running back on a one-year contract uh, that has never been a bell cow. Um, I should I should have read more it. sharp football this offseason. <laughs> Dagle, open up some receivers for us. Uh, I mean, I actually have a quick tight end. Can I go quick tight end? Fire away. Um, I mean, it's, it's so the super chalk. I don't care, though. So we haven't seen the Steelers play in two weeks. And Eric Ebron, before we left, ran a season-high route on 81% of Ben Roethlisberger's dropbacks. And as we know, the Eagles have been plugged away by tight ends. Logan Thomas, even, week one, 37, 37 yards and a touchdown. Tyler Higby had three scores on him. And George Kittle last week, we all saw his emergence finally clearly healthy off an ankle injury. So um, I think it's the chalk, but again, I like Eric Ebron a lot. Yeah, and it's also worth noting, again, this is on a Wednesday, but Juju uh, and, and Johnson both, I think, did not practice on a Wednesday, for what it's worth. Just kind of keep an eye on that as They've well. They've kind of been doing that every week, I think. Okay, is out there doing, just kind of managing them. And Connor's another guy, by the way. Didn't mention Connor in the running back conversation. He's He checks every box you want. As a That's big, a great you know, stack, too. I mean, I mean, the Eagles are, in general, on offense, they allow the most sacks plus turnovers per, per game, and that's like the wrong team to have offensive line issues against. So the Steelers are number one in blitz rate and number one in pressure rate. I mean, there's, there's an easy correlation stack. I mean, it's not a greatest matchup for Connor, but as pure just like, you know, you know one's playing Connor and Cash anyways. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good thing the Eagles have been good the past month because now they get a tough matchup, and maybe they can, <laughs> maybe they can be good. Hey, that's the NFC East leading Philadelphia Eagles to you. That's right. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, are we spending up at tight end? Uh, Rebar, what, what are your thoughts? Kittle, you know, Kelsey, Andrews, all three are on the slate. Waller, presumably, will be, will be leaned on heavily there for uh, for Oakland. It's not Oakland anymore. It's Vegas. i got to get that right one of these days. Uh, what are you doing as far as tight end? Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to pay for those guys. Cause like I said, it's it's not hard to fit in the pieces we want this week. We it's not like last year where we were starting with a 10k McCaffrey and then trying to get in another like 8k or 8 8.5 guy with him. Um, that was kind of the structure last year that everyone followed, and 
why not? It was really great. And we won money off of it this year. It's kind of not been like that. Um, so it's not hard to really get to the guys you want, whether it be Kelsey Kittle or Andrews. Um, I do think if they do play and, you know, we're pretty far out. I mean, just the spot for Johnny is, is really good. Uh, there's no Adam Humphreys. There's no Corey Davis. If they play this game uh, and Tredavious white is just going to follow AJ Brown. It's like the ball's got to go to someone. They ain't going to throw 12 targets to Khalif Raymond. Uh, so, I mean, if they do play that game, Johnny, where he's priced is probably a guy worth pursuing. Um, but it's not hard to play any of the guys you want. I don't think it's hard to get to those guys um, and some of the lineups that I've messed around and built. And then once you get out of the top tier, you know, it gets sketchy. We talked about the Ian Thomas of the world. We talked about the Evan Ingrams, the Ebrons, uh, those guys, if you want to play and you need that, you need that salary. But, you know, Mike Davis makes it pretty easy uh, to not have to get to those guys in cash. What about receivers? Who's jumping out for you? I mean, how, how much are we prioritizing Hopkins this week? Is sort of like a big question, sort of attack from the top. Yeah, I mean, Hopkins is probably the clear top guy. I mean, you have Tyreek, but Tyreek's a guy that is is interesting enough as like more of a floor play for fantasy now, and he's been that way since going back to last year. I mean, he's a guy, his past 16 games, he's gone over, what, 100 yards three times. He scored a touchdown in every game, and he's got – you know, four more catches in 12 of those games. So he's been more of like a floor play instead of this like ultimate like boomer bust guy, um, you know, gets a lot of catches and then gets some end zone targets. The game we would have loved to play all the receivers is not on the main slate. You know, that Viking Seahawks game. That's Those are all yeah. the guys we want to play uh, and they're not there. So then, you know, you've got Amari. We've got, we talk about Will Fuller, you know, DJ Shark. You know, we've, if we were going to pick that game out, that probably would have game LaVisca Chenault. It's a little interesting off the game he had last week. Um you know, uh, we talk about the Carolina guys. I think all those guys that we touched upon are play. Marquise Brown uh, is in play again still, too. Uh, he fits Daryl's, uh, Daigle's, like, corollary, what he looks for in a, in a play. Air yards. Uh, so, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah so, taking zeros, all those, buddy. All those guys. The Daigle yeah, taking zeros guys. model. I'm fine with that. Also tackled at the one. That, 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 where's that model, too? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's interesting because we also have some cheapies. Like, the same reason you would play Demir Bird on last week's slate his price didn't change because it was a Monday night game. You would play him again, still leading the Patriots in and routes run per drop back in every week. And then, um, you know, again, like Rich said, a long ways away, but Khalif Raymond is there for us and the Titans likely won't have their top three receivers. And Khalif <laughs> Raymond is a guy I've always liked because he's, He's basically just KJ Hamler who's healthy. He's a deep ball specialist. And we're two weeks removed now from him having three catches for 118 yards. So I'd play Cleef Raymond as well in cash games and just take that low floor and then uh, build out the rest of my lineup. Do you prefer uh, Raymond or the receiver for uh, for Atlanta? Uh, gosh, why am I forgetting his name? Zacchaeus? Yeah, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a 3K. Zacchaeus? I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, uh, I would go Raymond. Like I said, I'm Raymond and Isaiah McKenzie are the two guys who I should have no business liking as football <laughs> players, and I think they're like two of the best players. Who do we think starts with the Patriots? Is it going to be Hoyer or Stidham, or we don't know just yet? Has anything been announced? It has to be I Stidham. Have no right? clue. Man. I mean, I don't know either. It's got to be Stidham, right? Because I'm seeing right now yeah. on oh, if, starting if, line, if it says Hoyer, but uh. if Cam doesn't play or clear the two tests, then it will be Stidham. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you know, when, when do you ever see the guy just come in and replace a guy and then not get the callback? It's the same thing with the 49ers. If Garoppolo doesn't play, we have to assume it would be better, right? Like just because how often yeah. does it go the other way where the guys, I wish more, more teams would do that. Treat it like a relief pitcher, like a starting pitcher. <laughs> Listen, man, if you see, like, if you ever watch like baseball, I mean, sometimes like, man, like sometimes Clayton Kershaw doesn't have it, man. You got to go to the pen. He has a re- bad start, but um you know, we, we, it never happens in the NFL that way. By the way, uh, Marquise Brown, I believe, is 15 bucks on Yahoo. I'm not sure if you guys play much on Yahoo, but he's, that's 5 bucks above the floor. That's a really, really good price. And Yahoo is very reflective based upon um, 
what they've done for you lately, essentially, just the way their, their, their pricing is. So uh, he's, I kind of took a glance at their, their uh, stuff earlier today, and that seems like a really, really good price. I like Brown and good bits. Uh, let's step aside. Unless you guys have anybody else to fire away. Anybody else uh, you want to throw to the people? I think we've done, oh, da- no. done enough damage. Talked enough about football. Uh, tell the people where they can find you, Daigle. Uh, as you're doing that, tell them where you can find them. Uh, give me this. Give me a give me a slate breaker, maybe a combination platter, like a favorite stack you have, or somebody you got to have. Who's going to break the slate? Who's going to take down a million maker? Oh, you just put too much pressure on me, man. Um, <laughs> I, I, okay, I'll, I, I like Zeke and Cowboys defense. I'll just go with that correlation. And you don't need to run that back with a Dusty Giants player, even though, you know, they could shoot out for sure, but I'd like Zeke and Cowboys defense. Also, you can go to rotoworld.com slash edge if season long is your thing. You still have two to three months of season long rankings left if you're three and one, two and two. Use the code Daigle 10 Yes, you can have the privilege of typing my last name to get a discount. And then also uh, subscribe to the Rotor World Football Podcast. Uh, same question there, Rebar. See Zeke and the defense and raise them, and where can the people find you? <laughs> um, yeah, if I, listen, if I had the answers to who was going to break the slate, I, I, I wouldn't be doing this. Uh, you know, I'd be just, I'd just do it on my own, man. Uh, I mean, listen, anytime you, anytime you still can get in these slates, though, and you can get, you know, any of those top guys at lower ownership, you know, if the Chiefs or the Ravens last week, we were on the Ravens, stacking the Ravens as well. Uh, anytime you can get those guys coming off of a spot. So, I mean, maybe it's Kyler this week, you know, in a letdown spot coming last week, you know, it's the Jets this week, a Kyler Hopkins type of stack. Um, there's no way to really run that back though, unfortunately. So I don't think that that game can get there for you, but maybe, maybe this uh, Bengals Ravens game is sneaky and, and, and the bank, it's not going to be a game where we just think the Ravens can dominate. Cause they've, had, they've shown a little bit of, uh, you know, they aren't as bulletproof as they were last year defensively. I don't think. And we've seen that kind of happen. Uh, you know, the past weeks, not just the chiefs and, um, you know, they did a lot of 300 passing yards at the Haskins as well. So maybe Burrow can hook us up here too. And we can get some potential in that game too to have some fireworks um, as well. So I don't know, but you know, at AJ Green, is he dust or not dust? Yeah, we're not. I mean, <laughs> somewhere in the middle. Was never, never on that train. Uh, yeah. I and mean, we've seen T, T Higgins is, is roles experience. So T Higgins might be the guy we run back, you know, maybe we go with T Higgins at the upside play there. Um, but yeah, sharpfootballanalysis.com, read the worksheet. All right, okay. uh, that's the show. Much appreciate you guys watching. Please uh, do a like, do, subs- do subscribe as well. Uh, check that link there in chat if you guys want to get $5 off your first month here at Rotor Grinders. That should be dropping momentarily. Devin's all over it. Thank you, Devin. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, John. I was Dean. Enjoy your football this week. We're out of here. Hopefully I didn't ruin it. We're out of here.